Hope you're all okay. You doing well? Yeah. Oh dear me, that didn't sound very good. Are you doing all right? Yeah. Great. Great. We have been, if you've been here for the last few weeks, you'll know that we've been having a sermon series on, on prayer, on the uh, prayer course. And we have gone through in the last few weeks the um, looking at adoration and petition and unanswered prayer and contemplation and listening. And there's always one other that I keep on forgetting, but you know, you'll fill it in. But today on our final session of the um, uh, of our series, we were talking about spiritual, um, spiritual warfare, prayer in the light of the spiritual battle. So uh, we'd better start with some prayer. So let's just pray then as we begin. Let's just pray together. Lord God, we thank you that you, the Lord of the universe of time and history, the Lord of the uh, planet and every um, bit of our solar system, you are here. You're in this room. Lord, I thank you that you want to meet your people. Thank you that you want to speak to us. Lord, I just pray that we might be able to put aside those things that block your word. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. We want to hear you. We dearly want to hear your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what do we say about spiritual warfare? You know, we could be here from now till Christmas talking about this. I've got 20 minutes. So I've got three things. Of course I've got three things. I've got three things that I'm going to say about spiritual warfare. And the first one is that the spiritual battle is real. Um, everyone who knows me knows that I love the Lord of the, the Rings, the books and the films, just brilliant, even after all this time. Uh, I have watched the extended versions back to back in one day, which takes 11 hours. I have done that five times. No, even John Sexton hasn't done that. I mean, that's world record stuff. And there's a point in The Two Towers, second film, where, um, uh, where Aragorn and his mates are sitting across and talking to King Theoden, who, who's, a, who's a sort of king of a neighboring land. And this King Theoden has been under the deception of the enemy for a long period of time and has just been freed by the wizard Gandalf. And this King Theoden, because of his lung deception, struggles to see things clearly and they're talking about their next step, next move. And King Theoden says, you know, we cannot go out and meet our enemy. We cannot risk open war. And Aragorn, who's the sort of messianic figure in these stories, whose heart is always right, who always sees things absolutely clearly, he looks at this king and he looks him in the eye and he says, it is too late. Open war is already upon us. And you know, this is the story of Scripture, the story of Ephesians 6 and, and elsewhere. For those who would try and avoid it, it's too late. Open war is already upon us. And we don't always see it and we would often try and you know, avoid it. But the open war is already upon us. Spiritual battle is raging around us. Bullets and bombs are flying, and unless we are careful, some of us are found in a battlefield with hot chocolate and slippers. And, and we end up being a casualty, and we don't even recognize it. 
A guy called John Aldrich said in a book called Waking the Dead, which is a, a highly recommend. And in this book, he's talking about a good friend of his. He loves this person, but this is what he says of her. He says, her attitude strikes me as deeply naive on a level of someone caught in a crossfire who asks, rather shocked and with a sense of betrayal, God, why won't you make them stop firing at me? I'm sorry, that's not where we are right now. That's not where we are in our story. That day is coming later when a lion shall lie down with a lamb and we'll beat swords into plowshares, but for now, it's bloody battle. And I must say this, it's crucial that we grasp this because the effect of spiritual wounds, of a spiritual battle that is being ignored and being lost is always disillusionment and discouragement. God's intention is the fullest life for, for you and for all those you know, but that intention is opposed. And, and, and you know, when Jesus said that famous stuff about the sort of fullest life, we often forget what he said in the first part of that verse. In John 10, 10, Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. But the first part of that verse is the thief comes only to, to steal and kill and destroy. God's intention is the fullest life for you. But that intention is opposed. We are going to have to fight for it with God's strength and with God's armor. The spiritual battle is real. And every once in a while, we get reminders of that. A few years ago, we were um, leading a church plant in Wigan, and we were going through a real tough time. It was a tough time. And in the midst of this, and my brother phones up, but he, he works down near Oxford, and he has a colleague which, who just walked up to him one day. He hardly knew her, and he knew she dabbled in the occult, but she walked up to him and said that my dad, dead 20 years, had been in contact with her. And, and he said, and she told him that, th that she knew that he had a brother and he had a wife and they had two kids and we had two kids back then and he knew that the, um, Phoebe's middle name uh, was Grace and he knew that I, she knew that I had an old injury. No one knew about this old injury. Stuff she could never know about. And of course we know it wasn't my dad. And any prophetic activity not from Jesus is bad news. And we just felt that whatever spiritual force was behind all this was simply saying, I've got my eye on you, on your family. I know you. I'm watching you. And for a while it was slightly freaky for us, of course, until we reasserted in our minds and in our practice what I'm just about to say a bit later. The spiritual battle is real. It really is. And every once in a while we get reminders of that. I could tell you story after story after story from my life alone. You'll have it from your um, life. I have no time for that. But we must understand the witness of scripture and the witness of our own lives tell us the spiritual battle is real. Spiritual battle is real. And secondly, the spiritual battle is both covert and overt. Paul tells us in this passage in Ephesians 6, there are two types of spiritual warfare. Sometimes it is overt. In our passage in verse 13, Paul refers to this type of spiritual warfare as the day of evil. And we encounter this every once in a while. It sometimes happens when God's people steps out in you know, mission and God's kingdom is, is advanced and the devil hates it. 
and he blows away any pretense of subtlety and it's bombs and bullets flying around. And in those times we don't need reminding we're in a battle. We need reminding who's victorious. And the um, book of Revelation is absolutely all of it written for a group of people, Christians, who the bullets and the bombs are flying around. And the purpose of that book is to remind them who is victorious. And we need reminding that our, our world is not dualistic. It's not a battle between two equal forces, no matter what it looks like. The devil's fate is sealed. He's fighting a nasty rearguard action, but that's what it is. This is what we face sometimes. This is what the New Testament church faced virtually always. They did not need reminding they were in a spiritual battle as they were sewn up into wild skins of wild animal skins and torn apart by wild dogs as they were set alight on the as human lanterns on the streets of Rome as they were persecuted and beheaded and, and thrown into prison and even crucified they don't they didn't need reminding they were in a spiritual battle and in our time in our place we're not facing that stuff of course but when we face recurring bouts of of sickness when we feel the terrible descent of depression you know when we face a sudden breakdown in relationship in family and friends and brothers and sisters in church when we face joblessness isolation struggle for hope we know we're in a battle and Paul reminds us in Ephesians 6 that this battle that battle in the first second and third century just as now is not against people it's against those spiritual powers behind them, so it is with us. Not everything has an overtly spiritual cause, of course it doesn't. But every one of our weaknesses and vulnerabilities and trials, they're seized upon by our spiritual enemies. There is a battle for our souls and it's being waged now. There's a battle against God's church and our enemies, not people. It's not a body or mind that's broken or damaged. It's not a system that is beyond repair. Our enemy is the spiritual powers behind it all. And in this age, as it says in Ephesians 6, this is still our struggle. 1 John 5:19 tells us that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Not was, it still is. We're living under that. Matthew 4, Luke 4, um, you know, Mark 1 tells us when Jesus was on earth, he was contending with the evil one constantly. But Jesus, it was a running battle. Sometimes it feels like us, like that for us. Maybe it feels like that for you. Sometimes our battle is overt. Sometimes our battle, more often actually, is covert. In our passage in verse 11, Paul calls this the, the devil's wiles or devil's schemes. The, the devil's main tactic isn't actually flying bullets and exploding bombs. He isn't interested in reminding God's people that they are in a battle because he knows that if God's people, equipped by God's resources, square up for a spiritual fight, he'll lose. He knows that. He's much, much more interested in sending people to sleep than he is about waking people up. He's much more interested in sending you to sleep than waking you up. If you've never read the um, 
Screwtape Letters by Sirius Lewis, recommended, tiny little book. And in it, he talks, it's basically a series of letters from a senior demon to a junior one called Wormwood. And he talks a lot about the devil's tactics in it. And here's what he says in it. He says, indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden warnings, without milestones, without signposts. If he can't keep you down, he'll try and take you down. But much, much more often, he'll try and softly, softly put you to sleep. Gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. A guy called E.K. Simpson wrote this, the devil has a twofold infernal policy. He plays both the bully and the beguiler. Force and fraud form his chief offensive against the saints practiced in turn. And this passage that we had read to us was, of course, to the Ephesians church. It's from Ephesians 6. And this letter was written 10 years after this church had been planted. And it was doing well. And in this letter, Paul tells them, he really commends them for their faith and love. But even though it was doing well, Paul warns them in Ephesians 6, he says, be alert. And a couple of chapters earlier in Ephesians 4.14, he says, wake up. And the very next verse, Ephesians 4.15, he says, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but wise, but, but wise because the days are evil. And a few years before that, on his way to uh, Rome, Paul, who knew he was going to be tried, he knew he was going to be executed, and he met the Ephesian elders on a beach called Miletus, and he gave them a brilliant parting sermon in Acts 20. Read it. And in the middle of it, he says to them, be on your guard. And then a few years later, in fact, many years later, in AD 96, Apostle John wrote his book, Book of Revelation, and in, and in the uh, at chapters 2 and 3, God's Spirit writes words of warning to seven different churches. And what was the first church? Ephesus. And he says in this letter, he says, you have persevered, you have overcome hardships. But he says, be careful. You have lost your first love. Be alert. Be on your guard. Be careful. Foster your love relationship with Jesus. Do what you did at first. Wake up! And Paul and John said this stuff because they knew that if your enemy can't take you down, then he will try and softly, softly send you to sleep. Gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without wild, um, milestones, without signposts. And if you go today to the site of Ephesus in modern-day Turkey, what do you see? You see some ruins. You don't find a church. Churches are there. Turkey, which was once the heartland of Paul's ministry in Asia Minor, is 99% Muslim, virtually devoid of Bible-based Christianity completely there. But it's not a recent thing. Historians reckon the church in Ephesus died about 200 AD, about 100 years after that warning from Apostle John. There's no evidence that this church died because of persecution. We don't know how this church died, but there's a very real possibility that despite all the warnings, it simply withered away. It didn't 
heed the warnings. Be alert. Be on your guard. Be careful. Foster your love relationship with Jesus as you did before. Do what you did at first. Stay awake. One of the biggest parts of the spiritual battle is to stay awake, to stay alert, to be careful, to be on your guard. Our New Testament is crammed full of warnings to be awake and stay alert. It occurs 28 times in our New Testament. Half of those come from Jesus' mouth directly. He knew this is a big problem. It's one of the most common commands and warnings from Jesus to his disciples. Watch out. Stay awake. Spiritual battle is real. The spiritual battle is both overt and covert. And finally, the spiritual battle requires preparation and equipment. Recently, I read an article about the Alaskan bull moose. If you've got 30 seconds, uh, Google the Alaskan bull moose. It's an amazing creature, extraordinary. It's got massive kind of antlers, huge. And in every autumn season, these massive bull and um, sort of moose, they, they sort of battle each other for dominance in the breeding season. And they smash up against each other. And they smack so hard that oftentimes these kind of antlers kind of break off and sort of fall away. And in these autumn battles, if your antlers go, you're gone. You've lost, the, but you don't get the girl. That's what it's all about. And so in the end, the biggest moose with the biggest and strongest antlers triumphs. But how big these antlers get, apparently, is mainly based on what they eat in summer. Those that can consume the best diet for growing good antlers and the best bulk, they win. And those that eat inadequately into the summer, they have less bulk, they have weaker antlers. The autumn fight for an Alaskan bull moose is not won or lost in autumn. It's won or lost in the summer months of preparation. And let me tell you, what's true for an Alaskan bull moose is true for God's people in the spiritual fight. It's not won or lost, actually, in the autumn fight. It's won or lost in the summer months of preparation. Because how do you stay alert and watchful? How do you get ready against the day of evil, the overt attack, which Paul says is coming? How do we stand against that? How do you get ready now against the devil's wiles and schemes? He's quite an overt attack. And you know, for those of you who have hung around churches for long enough, you know what I'm going to say. You know, you, you know Ephesians 6 like the back of your hand. You know what I'm going to say, that you need to put on the full armor of God. I have no time to go through all of these in, in um, detail, but most of you know it, and please, it's vital that we understand all of this, because we know that Ephesians 6 tells us that it's about being in a place that fosters truth, spending time in those places where truth is found in the Bible, in community with other Christians, worshipping together, praying together, studying together. I promise you, if you, neg if you neglect that, if you aren't committed to that, You'll be severely weakened for the spiritual battle. How's that going with you? It's about knowing that you have been made righteous. That you are righteous. Whatever the, the devil whispers in your ear, you are utterly righteous. Because of the, the work of Jesus, it's fundamentally changed you. You're living and breathing and growing in the righteousness of Jesus. It's holding on to that. It's about the readiness to carry the gospel of truth, the willingness to be a messenger. It's about faith, the shield of faith, not just believing in Jesus mentally, but demonstrating that in trustful obedience. 
It's about the helmet of, helmet of salvation, being utterly confident that you have been saved. And nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing, nothing at all. It's about using the word of God as an offensive weapon. It's not just the Bible, even though it is that. It's the word we are given to speak, rooted in scripture, prophetic, powerful, separating bone from marrow. And finally, it's about prayer. As we've been talking about these past few weeks, it's prayer, prayer, prayer. Praying when you're alone, praying when you're together, praying as you drive, praying as you work, praying as you fast, praying as you eat. This is the life breath of a follower of Jesus. This is what it means to wear the armor of God. This is your equipment, it's given to you, it's a gift. This is the summer preparation for the autumn fight. My time is, is well up, but before I end, let me just ask you this. Where is the spiritual battle in this season of your life? Because it will be somewhere. For some of you, it's the day of evil. It feels like bombs and bullets are going off around you and you need to be reminded about who is victorious. And you also need reminding that you have authority. Jesus, as he left, he said, all authority in heaven and earth I give to you. We live under bequeathed authority. We really do. Whatever adversity you face, though we do not minimize the pain of it and we do not dismiss the battle, Jesus says, you are more than conquerors because I have loved you and I have saved you. And can I say in particular, the spiritual battle can be seen the most in unreconciled relationships. They are a sign of the spiritual battle, a sign of the devil's work. Please don't allow them to linger. If you are sitting here with an unreconciled relationship, please do something about it. Fight for reconciliation. Don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Stand and fight in the armor of God, in the power of God. But for some of us, our, our danger in this season is not bombs or bullets. It is being lulled to sleep. The soft lullaby of the devil in many different ways. And God's word to you is stay alert. Be careful. Be on your guard. Watch out. Wake up. Put on the full armor of God. The autumn fight is won or lost in the summer months of preparation. Let's just pray together as we end. God wants to meet with each of us today because each of us are in one of two camps. Some of you are very aware of the spiritual battle. It might be unreconciled relationships, breakdown of something in your family or friends. It might be you are facing all kinds of problems with sickness and depression, adversity. In a minute, as the band come up and lead us in some uh, worship, let us have a time of prayer, praying for you, knowing that we live under authority, bequeathed authority, Jesus wants to enable you in the fight that you are uh, fighting. And yet, it won't end with the prayer that we have for you. I urge you to put on the armor of God as we've been talking about. Work your way through that. And others might be aware that, spiritually speaking, you're not fully awake. Maybe it's been 
over months, but you know, as you look at your life, you realize you're not fully awake. You know you need to, be, to, to wake up, to be alert, to be on your guard. Let us begin today as we pray for you, but even for you, let this be the beginning of a process of putting on the full armor of God. So just let's stand together. And as we sing this, um, Angie and I will, will be at the side here. And please come forward for uh, prayer if you want it. And then let's continue going on that. But let's just stand together and worship God through this.